0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Etcetera Show. I'm Chris. I got Joe with me. Paul is out for the time being, but we've got um, a special guest tonight, Ben Gelber. Uh, he's the weather guy, well, one of the weather people for uh, NBC4 here in Columbus. Ben, it was fun to work with you when I was
1: there, and it's fun to have you on tonight. How are you doing? Good, Chris. Hey, work, fun to work with you, too, and thank you guys for uh, inviting me what has been uh, a pretty uh, busy weather week already in central ohio yeah definitely uh yeah we, we definitely want to ask you about that
0: um i remember one of my favorite times i'm not just saying this because you're here when you stopped by the assignment desk i knew i was getting a good weather history so it's always fun when you stop by and we were talking <laughs> uh and i think you've already answered this question to me i guess privately but you know this year especially it's been weird weather-wise like we'd go into a thursday and it'd be like 70 degrees and then next day, it'd be like 20 and some snowing and everything. I know it's happened over years. So I know this isn't the only year it's ever happened, but it seems unusual. What do you think is causing all this weird weather from day to day?
1: Well, we sometimes point to uh, La Nina, which is in its third year, uh, mm. which is a rarity. I think that's only happened twice in the past 75 years, mm. but which uh, in general is uh, cooler than average weather in the uh, tropical Eastern Pacific Ocean, so you have a pool of cool water, or, or below-normal sea surface temperatures, which impacts or influences the jet stream or storm track, and that's that's a big deal in weather because if the jet stream is going west to east, our weather is mild. If it's coming in from the northwest, uh, uh, again, this is wind at you know 20 or 30,000 feet, but it impacts the whole uh, circulation. Uh, around the globe. If it's a northwesterly flow, we, we get cold air southwest or south would imply um, a very warm and humid and potentially stormy uh, pattern. So it's, it's a typical La Nina in some respects, uh, as we talked about, and as I mentioned in the fall, that where the jet stream uh, banks down out of Canada, but then turns across uh, the northern states, and that kind of deflects the cold air to the north. We should yeah. say it's, it's cold on the north side of the jet stream, warm on the south side. So it's kind of a divider uh, or a barrier. So if the jet stream continues to uh, bring cold air into the Northern Plains and then curls back across the Great Lakes, we tend to get just very uh, transient cold shots. And more importantly, in a typical La Nina, the portion that has worked out is, uh, as energy uh, comes in from the Pacific, uh, the jet stream may dip a little farther south, but that occurs in the Midwest. And then that can pull moisture up from the Gulf. But the storm track has been largely west of Ohio. So counterclockwise, mm-hmm. that means a southerly flow and we get rain instead of snow. And then after the system goes by counterclockwise, as let's say low pressure goes into New England. Now our winds turn northerly, but the moisture is moved away, except yeah. for the lake effect snow showers. And there's that big cool down. we're seeing this over and over again but there's a wrinkle this year which has been the slew of atmospheric rivers coming off the pacific they're thousands of miles long uh, have subtropical origin and have been battering the western states which is not a normal feature of la nina so bringing both welcome but also excessive rains uh, welcome mountain snow but also exceptional snows so Mm -hmm. that comes with a price Uh, to alleviate uh, what has been a mega drought in the West. So we have to weigh that in. So what's been coming out of the Pacific, which is not normally particularly strong in a La Nina season has been, we're getting these bowling ball systems uh, like we saw earlier this week, we'll see again on Friday, uh, coming up from the Southwest, the Four Corners region, up through the middle Mississippi Valley, that springs another surge of warm, moist air that clashes with cold air. And we're getting thunderstorms or 70-degree temperatures in February and early March instead of, you know, a more seasonable pattern of, say, 30s, 40s, and 50s. So it's it's an atypical La Nina year, but uh, we're seeing a little bit of that and this uh, very powerful Pacific uh, storm track, yeah. uh, both of which are working in tandem to make us very mild this winter. Yeah, it was
0: crazy. We had snow in California, which... Yes, yeah
1: in Las Vegas now and uh, yeah. my sun is in Glendale and uh, wow. Arizona and they had some uh, mixed uh grapple uh, and uh, multiple feet of snow in the mountains of Arizona and then it's just, wow. like, California we're talking double digit feet like Oh yeah, ten feet or more. Uh, I've uh, I've some several friends who are live live in the California area that I've been hearing from over the past week, and pe- especially people who are up in the mountains. People, a friend of mine who lives near uh, Big Bear Lake, uh, so much know that he
0: went down the mountain to go do something for work, and then couldn't get back up the mountain. His whole yeah, family was stuck up home. there, but the yeah. same thing all the way up in uh, San Francisco. Is just, it's just right. it's all at a certain elevation line that all of the mountains are just really, really covered with snow, but everything further down isn't. But it's still
1: really cool. And, and interestingly, of- yeah, the snow levels have gone down around a thousand feet or a little bit lower, not for accumulating snow, but uh, down to, into the valleys. Right. Uh, and as you mentioned, we're talking not just the mountains of say, eastern California, the Sierra Nevada, but we're talking the San Gabriel, San Bernardino Mountains to the Mm -hmm. northeast and east of L.A. Uh, Southern California, you know, National Weather Service in San Diego issues their first blizzard warning ever uh, (laughs) since the office uh, has been there in 1997. For uh, L.A. National Weather Service, they haven't issued a blizzard warning for their mountains in Los Angeles County uh, since 1989. So we're definitely in weird uh, territory. We like to complain.
0: I know we like to complain in Ohio about lots of stuff. (laughs) I mean, you're just forecasting the weather. I mean, I think people with sense would realize that. Ben's not getting up grumpy and saying, all right, I'm going to throw a bunch of bad weather. I mean, you're just saying <laughs> what's coming, but like when you're out in the stores and everything, I mean, you've got recognizable face. You've done this for a, a long time. Do people come up to you and do they get upset? Like Ben, you know, why are you doing this? to us? Do you get this type of interactions with people? No, I'm not making the weather. On. I'm just reporting
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. No, I've, I've, I mean the vast, vast majority of people, um, reactions are very positive um, okay. in that people want to engage you in conversation, whether it's just to tell you uh, maybe that they like your forecast or they like your uh, your colleagues on an anchor team to especially this winter, boy, where's the snow or what's you know, yeah. exactly the questions you're asking me is what folks bring up in uh, you know Kroger or CVS or wherever. It, mm-hmm. It's all the, the same thing. And, and so I feel like And and from these questions, sometimes I'll uh, decide to do a graphic or two or an explainer because, Hmm. you know, you know, we're kind of insulated, uh, Chris, as you know, in the studio. But, you know, I try to remember what I've been asked during the week. And maybe that becomes uh, one of my, uh, because I like to do climate graphics or or just, you know, exactly what you said. I did a La Nina story recently, uh, how similar and different this has been and how unusual uh, a pattern uh, and then I did this past weekend a record lack of snow in February. We didn't have measurable snow, just flurries. That's never happened in February since records began in the city. Stuff like mm-hmm. that. For in this week, uh, for our fourth record high temperature, uh, specifically 75 on uh, Wednesday, March 1st, uh, is the fourth week in a row we've hit the 70s. In we'll call it the winter months, that's not happened before either. Yeah. And that we beat the record by 10 degrees, not by a degree. Wow. That's a, <laughs> 10 degrees is a lot. <laughs> One thing things that impresses
0: me, I, I mean, you know, obviously you keep busy with what you do with NBC4, but you also teach meteorology. Now, uh, Joe and I are middle-aged, so I mean, I think we're kind of set in our careers, but, you know, sometimes you get that what's called midlife crisis. So if Joe and I wake up tomorrow and say, we're going to be weather guys and everything – What's the process like? I mean, like you teach at Ohio State, like what do weather people have to go through to really learn meteorology and be able to graduate? Is it like a four-year course, a degree?
1: There are, I know there's some other avenues, but um, the traditional way is a four-year college degree um, that's accredited uh, to, uh, as a degree in, we'll say either meteorology, geography, Uh, climatology, uh, but you can also get a four-year degree in physics because we Mm -hmm. deal with uh, atmospheric physics. Uh, So, I mean, you can branch out. It's not a a single unified uh, uh, system in the sense that it's really part of the earth, atmosphere, ocean system. You could focus on ocean uh, uh, temperatures and, and climate. You could focus on air pollution. You could focus on aviation uh, forecasts, um, mm-hmm. more theoretical meteorology, more of the uh, numerical model guidance, the, the weather, the computer model forecast. There, there are a lot of ways to go. And what I have to do and what most folks do is you have to kind of broad brush and, and know a little bit about uh, these fields. You become, in my case, the, the de facto science reporter. So mm-hmm. let's say there's an earthquake or a meteor shower. Uh, you better be able to step up and ad lib about that and have some facts or, or a, an eclipse, Um, you know, and, and I've got some folks uh, uh, in the academic world I can reach out to uh, in astronomy or geology for uh, some uh, specific information, make sure I've got facts straight uh, use some of their quotes in my web stories. So, you know, essentially tap the, the experts all around us at Ohio state and Ohio Wesleyan and, and, uh, Otterbein and, and, and Ohio University, among others, um, just because I get that's what's best for the viewers. Uh, that that right. gives them uh, uh, an entry into science. It may just be a few sound bites, which are several sentences that I embed in a story. Uh, ODNR, another example, uh, or uh, various uh, or Ohio EPA or Franklin County EMA and Homeland Security. All of these folks, you know, have their areas of expertise that often pertain directly to something we're covering and I can bring them in as I should uh, as uh, experts to supplement uh, coverage.
0: Yeah, Ben Gilbert is with us on NBC4 here in Columbus. Um, I was thinking, Ben, you know, we think this with what I do in news and assignment editors and anchors and people who produce newscasts and You know, with the web and writing stuff, obviously things are different than when even I started my career. I'm assuming it's the same for you. How does the digital thing? Does it make being a weather person easier? Does it make it more challenging? What What does that part of it do? Because obviously, how you forecast, I'm sure it's changed over the years.
1: Yeah, yes to all these questions because, (laughs) uh, yeah, obviously I'm not. I'm working with higher resolution uh, model data or forecasting guidance. Uh, which certainly helps. I'm working with higher resolution uh, radar images, which is huge, like when we're trying to uh, differentiate between straight line winds and uh, winds being blown around in a uh, circulation, the direction of winds inside a storm, which can be an early indication of rotation long before we actually see a, um, a potential tornado or funnel cloud. None of this existed when I started. Uh, you know, we had just a straight radar uh, picture telling us it was raining or raining hard. Uh, you know, we can do so much more analysis. Um, so the technology and sort of you know the high-tech uh, uh, data gathering uh, has helped immensely. Um, and 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 then and then how we can present it on television from very simple graphics. I even started with a magic marker. You guys might remember this and a porcelain oh, yeah. board, and you would draw fronts and stick on magnetic symbols in the oh, very yeah. beginning and and then we transitioned in my early years in the early 80s to very primitive computer graphics which i thought were fantastic because that's all we had sure um, didn't have animation uh, for satellite cloud uh, images or radar it was still stills uh, so just beginning to uh, animate some of these elements because weather is dynamic it's not it's not a snapshot doesn't work very well uh, right. and i always joke about the fact that i don't know how we knew what was going on beyond uh you know data and interpolation but you know you you only knew what you had and it's probably uh very fortunate that we were able to as a field do as well as we did in, in the mid and late 20th century and, but even with all the data literally in the world now uh, with uh, dozens of models uh, there's still uh, idiosyncrasies to weather. It's also changing models, even high-resolution models with uh, that can capture um, down to topography and, and other things. You can't s- capture everything, which is then run through um, phys- physics equations or equations that are modeled after how the atmosphere uh, operates and simulate weather conditions. But, you know, things change. Uh, maybe certain uh, blips are not modeled or thunderstorms change uh the environment as they develop and then can you you now we we do have models that update hourly try to incorporate that data including radar data uh, which can affect a squall line but if you're a day ahead of time a model might give you a broad sense of just like this past monday and uh that there would be a line of thunderstorms kind of marching across ohio with some strong winds in the late afternoon and i issued a storm team Four weather alert day for monday for that possibility but then as to exactly where or which storms will potentially rotate um, you kind of have to let that play out because uh, interactions between uh, weather currents on an hourly basis so that at that point you're in, into real time or models that operate in real time and then continually update uh, the outcomes the simulations uh, over a short period of time you can't do that over a long period of time because you don't have the computer uh uh space or to do that and then then there are bigger or long-term models where we look at five or ten days out uh, Mm -hmm. but they they are lower resolution so it's a little a little more generic or general in it's uh uh in in terms of forecasting information
0: yeah you i definitely want to ask about the crazy weather on monday and you know if Podcast and people can listen to this a year in the future. Um, we're, we're taping this March third, two thousand twenty-three. Um, you know, it was interesting. I'm to give you guys a plug. Um, NBC4 one, I believe, it was for the ninth straight year the Weather Vane Award, where they literally look at the forecast, they look at what the weather is actually like, and they said, "Hey, in this market, what station's the closest?" And for ninth straight year. They say, NBC4, you're the closest. I'm always curious about this, and, and I'm, I'm serious about this, not just because I've worked there. If you're in Columbus, watch NBC4. Don't worry about anything else. NBC4 will get you where you need to be. <laughs> but in a competitive market, how much difference is there between the forecast? Is it like two or three degrees? I mean, obviously no – I you know no one's saying one person saying oh it's going to be 80 and the next guy says oh no it's going to be 20 below what's the difference usually in terms of degrees i mean obviously you're not coming with the exact same forecast high and low is it usually off by a degree or two depending I, on I would
1: stipulate the- this i don't know that temperature is such a so decisive um because when you think about it, on any given day if you if you even look at franklin county let alone the whole region you're going to get several degrees difference in temperature. So if someone calls for a high of 35 and someone else calls for a high of 38, there's a good chance that across the metro area, somebody had a high of 35 and some site had a high of 38. So nobody's, you know, you're just, you can only ballpark it because temperatures are not uniform. And then of course, using our uh, pinpoint forecast, I might be showing 30 at Bucyrus and 45 at Portsmouth yeah. or uh, or Piketon. so it, I don't. I mean, unless you're way off, uh, right? Uh, yeah, I I don't think temperature is a big deal. I think I mean, obviously, we try to get as accurate as we can. But even if I call for a high of fifty, am I forecasting for Port Colum- or John Calhoun Columbus International Airport? Maybe it's only going to be forty eight in Dublin and forty nine in Groveport and fifty one in Lithopolis, and so you know it, it, it's. Yeah, give or take a few degrees is probably is good enough because it varies. So I think where the rubber meets the road is going to be the description of the day and the timing of and severity of systems. You know, I mean, if you call for uh, four inches of snow beginning at noon and uh, someone else uh, calls for snow changing to rain only accumulates one inch, you know, that's where you might see a difference. Oh, okay. um, and whether it's between you and it could be your forecast may differ and it rarely does with the national weather service uh, or relative to another station. There's a lot of um, subjectivity um, which is kind of in the eyes of the, you know, each of us uh, um, does the best we can. We usually come very close to the same forecast, if not nearly identical you because we're all looking at the same data, but there could be differences in experience with particular storms or, Maybe you're, you know, just just like you're predicting, uh, you know, the the Buckeyes will beat uh, Michigan, but you'll get variations in scores. Yeah, um, or maybe there'll be another game where you'll get some different picks. You uh, depend on who the teams are, and it's not that anybody is um, knows that much more than someone else, uh, you know, because a lot of this you're going with your feeling. But I do think uh, experience counts because just like in medicine, you've seen X number of cases, you know, I, I mentioned mm. we're in diagnostics. Well, yeah. just like in medicine, your lo- physicians have seen maybe X number of cases, but also a lot of variations. Um, and maybe, you know, you can look at blood work and MRIs and CT scans, but uh, an experienced physician may be able to put some things together because of, um, you know, you've looked and seen it, this may be two or 300 patients who've had a particular um, uh, set of circumstances or weather, initial conditions, and then you can start to uh, make projections or, or diagnostics. So, I mean, that's a, a rough analogy, but uh, the point is that, you know, levels of experience and uh, may account for some some subtle differences in forecasting. Mm. Uh, but, but as I always say, I think the best thing to do is I think accuracy which of course can be quantified by, in this case, the um, outside organization that 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 has uh, awarded us that um, uh, data uh, accuracy uh, uh, recognition. Um, you know, it's still in the eyes of the beholder. That meaning that means do, do viewers connect with uh, the meteorologist not just not only in terms of accuracy, but the nature of the presentation, consistency, reliability. To some extent, personality because it is TV. Uh, there are many, many factors uh, in in all of this, but I think you know we all have our personalities, and and uh, and someone like me is probably a little more nerdy than the next person. But all right, then I still have to make that work. Um, you know, you still have to deliver um, accurately, but also the audience has to know that you'll be there, uh, assuming outside of vacation or or illness, of course. But but that also you can alert them to a potential dangerous weather like on Sunday I can put out a storm before weather alert day for Monday specify low end tornado threat middle range for wind damage low end flood threat these parameters because folks will then be in and out the next day but they have they're going to pay more attention to the forecast or or weather conditions if you didn't if the previous day you just had a chance for thunderstorms you know that doesn't necessarily get uh, folks' attention. Um, yeah. The differentiate between that and something like we had on Monday. So that's our job, I think, and and I um, and everybody does a, an excellent job um, in this market. Um, but but I think it, it comes down to just evaluating these situations uh, and and then tracking in real time, which is now the Monday storm coverage. So there are multiple aspects that go into everything you you uh, asked about
0: you got a team before NBC Four. obviously we compete against other stations in the market. Is there interaction that goes back and forth? I mean, like, do you guys know the other weathermen or weather people? How, how does that work?
1: Well, we, we cross paths of course. Uh, right. but we, I've been asked that before. It's not like you can, could, or would consult the middle of an event because you're on the air. Right. Um, we may compare, uh, notes at some point uh, when we meet at, a, uh, at at an event or for a charitable organization um, or where we pool resources uh, uh, to help folks in the community. And we'll, we'll, we'll joke about, oh yeah, remember this storm or that storm. And there are cases where some of us have, have worked together and then um, someone goes off to another station. Yeah. And obviously, I worked with Jim Goodall for 36 years Yeah, and right. with Marshall McPeak for 10 years. Um, and, you know, we're all friends and uh, it's just that, you know, we're not going to consult uh, because right. we, we all have our uh, heads in, in, in the midst of uh, a given event. I think what's more likely is that we will uh, compare notes with the National Weather Service uh, because, remember, only they can issue the warnings.
0: Yeah, right.
1: We, we put out the uh, pay attention uh, messaging. Uh, ideally a few days in advance as they do, but we don't issue a thunderstorm or tornado warning. Uh, so we have to work very closely and follow their um, uh, messaging uh, during these events too, both before, during, and then after, because only they can confirm that the storm that hit southwest of Orient was a tornado. We can surprise yeah. that. I said that on the air, a probable tornado pending the National Weather Service uh, storm survey. Uh, and ultimately they found another one another brief touchdown in Licking County
0: yeah.
1: on, uh, all on February uh, from the storm on February 27th but that takes a couple of days to uh, to get do the field work.
0: Yeah don't get started with uh, Joe and feral cats we had a couple weeks of talking about the feral cat problem in Licking <laughs> County I don't know if you remember that story or not then it was vaguely yes it, 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 one of the officials over there was talking about we should shoot feral cats, and that had us going. It, it, like began, it about, began a debate, yeah. which then grew to weeks yeah. and weeks of, of, of doubling well, back on stories about what was happening with the feral cats in working County. Well, I want to definitely ask Ben about the crazy weather day. We have them for about five more minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Ben, two days ago, you know, we had the crazy weather. Um, NBC Four they call it Weather Alert Day. You know, just hey. Be careful. Watch out. Stuff could be coming. Um, there was a tornado warning in Franklin County. It was almost kind of going through downtown. But the as you said, the tornado kind of went more south on Pickaway County. And as you said, they identified one in Lincoln County. How tough is it? Because, you know, I know from working there, just knowing about TV news anyway, weather's important you know, I mean, weather draws viewers and everything. And obviously as a journalist and a news guy, we've got to be honest. We can't just make stuff up. Is, is it tough to like... Are we are you finding that people want the accurate information, even though it may not be exciting? Because I think sometimes when we get caught up in the rush of everything, we're like, oh man, what happens if there's a tornado? Everybody's gonna to be watching and we get all excited about stuff. How hard is it to temper that with just saying I think more people just want to understand what's actually happening? You know, maybe not as much of the hype. And I think you guys have always done a good job with that, but is that a challenge? Because in some ways it's exciting to say oh, man, we got to get really excited about the weather. But it sounds like you guys do a good job of tempering that and saying, hey, be aware of this, but we're just going to give you the facts so you decide what to do with it.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And I hear, I've hear i heard folks say innumerable times uh, that they appreciate that I I stay calm, which is incumbent upon, I think, uh, the broadcaster, the uh, same as in news, as in weather. Uh, in my case, as a meteorologist, I don't – I mean, in my mind, i may see a situation that's life-threatening or I may see a situation where we have rotation where there's little chance of a, a touchdown. Um, you know, so I can distinguish, I think, between uh, levels of severity, um, which can change. S- systems can ramp up and, and then weaken. So it's, it, in a sense, it's kind of play-by-play. Play. But, but you have to um, not not cause folks to become panicky because then they don't hear the message uh, clearly so that doesn't do anyone any good um, and you know my uh, goal since day one 42 years ago you know there's no first of all hype is is no is not what we should ever be about it's as you yeah. said just it's about the facts there are times where you have to amp up the level of concern if if uh, and I'm thinking of Memorial Day uh, 2019 where we had those massive tornadoes go through Dayton. So the language is going to be stronger um, as, and as these storms come into central Ohio, you do need to be in the basement uh, yeah. or you don't need to um, uh, be wandering about. Um, you know, you, and, and, you know, but the key is still to talk calmly. So everyone knows exactly what's going on. So, uh, you know, you calibrate um, uh, your uh, intensity a little bit, but, but still, a tornado warning is a tornado warning. We, a small tornado, if it hits your house, is a big tornado. Even if it literally only hit a couple of uh, properties, you know that it, it can be dangerous. An example being October of 2021, where I stayed after midnight for a little cluster of storms coming up the Ohio River that didn't really have uh, much in the way of warnings. And either way, the, our models didn't suggest any big problems. But I didn't like the look of the, um, essentially had a little bit of a comma shape or circulation. So I, even though I'd come in ar- around 12 or one in the afternoon and I, I did the 11 o'clock show and I said, hey, I'm gonna watch these storms and uh, we'll cut in if necessary, if, if they intensify. And, and you know, so you can be calm about it, but you prep people for that possibility. And then sure enough, around 1.30 in the morning, tornado warning went up for Ross County and then it only extended into Fairfield County. We had a total of eight tornadoes after midnight in October, which I've never seen before Mm -hmm. uh, because normally things are winding down at that hour of the night. Uh, And a couple of homes were damaged and folks got into the basement and I was uh, street level mapping where the rotation was. Now, again, we should point out Doppler radar doesn't see the tornado, it sees rotation. Now, if you get a, a, which is an important distinction but we have to assume that a tornado may be on the ground. Now, uh, more recent technology does provide something we call a debris ball, or we can see uh, some uh, non-precipitation targets. In other words, something that's not smooth and round like a raindrop that you might surmise is debris. Okay, that's almost certainly a tornado on the ground. That's not gonna happen very often, to say the least. Most storms are small, they're spin-ups near the ground. But in this case, I was street level mapping through Ross and into uh, Pickway County. Uh, folks need to get in the basement. And, yeah. you, and, and you say, if you're, here, you're hearing sirens and here's why, and you have to be on the air explaining that and also distinguishing between who doesn't have to go to the basement. And that's the key about not hyping. I was able to say, now, if you live north and say, west of US 23 in that particular storm, the threat is over. Uh, But if you live, uh, you know, along this path I'm mapping, this is you have you take this seriously: basement or lowest floor, maximum number of walls between you and the outside, and you know, uh, bathroom or closet. Uh, But but there but it can be said calmly, and there's no need to, um, you know, get so excited that that you don't want to upset anybody. Right. But that's not the point. But you do need to get folks' attention, and even say, don't go out looking for the storm, don't run errands right Mm -hmm. now uh yeah things like
0: that well and the thing that impressed me about you guys to be honest if you is i could tell like you and dave were kind of tag teaming the weather uh and sharing the information and uh, dave mass one of the other weather people at uh uh, nbc4 the adrenaline was pumping and you know honestly my drill i've been in this business for 25 years or so my drilling pumps during a big story but you're able to stay calm with your experience. Yeah, you know I mean, have to. Yeah, we get excited about the weather. I mean, this is kind of what we were in it for. But we're not like going out of our gourd. So, uh, Ben, real quick, and I don't want to keep you too much longer. But uh, tell us about your concerts. Like, where can we go to see a concert? I mean, is it open to the public? Uh, tell us about what you do um, with your concerts. That you have.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In, in a nutshell, you know, it was about ten years ago I formed. Uh, I'll say a community outreach a music program, okay. uh, multifaceted. One was on a personal level, my dad had developed uh, early uh, Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. uh, and I thought and I learned that you know music. Um, in fact, there's a movie called uh, uh, Alive Inside, um, which is about how music awakens uh, memories, and and then on another level to bring music to uh, seniors in the community who. Or programming maybe limited and, you know, being live music, which I had to calibrate uh, the program to, to the audience. Um, Mm -hmm. And on another level, it's just, I hadn't done a whole lot with the piano since college and high school band and a little jazz band and things like that. So, Mm -hmm. but I had been tinkering around with melodies over the years just for the fun of it. Uh, And then as luck would have it, I put out some feelers and, Uh, thinking you may, you know, at this point, I just had a piano and some ideas. And I gradually accrued uh, some uh, music educators who were interested in, in this kind of program. Uh, And they're uh, usually open to the uh, almost always open to the public. Now, obviously, if we sometimes we play for senior communities where uh, and, and and definitely with COVID and things like that. And we couldn't play at all at, at uh, some point, Yeah, you know, there are some restrictions um, in terms of audience. So, but I do have a, a Facebook page um, which where I'll post a uh, concert as far as location called uh, Friday, just like Saturday night live. It's easy to remember Friday night live music. Okay. And then I, you have to type in my name because I wasn't thinking back in the day. There's a lot of, we yeah. use some kind of Friday Night Live. So it's Friday Night Live Music, Ben Gelber. Okay. Um, and, and then the Facebook page is probably the easiest thing to uh, sample some music and or, or see when a concert is or just, you know, the pictures of our audience. Now, we'll say the music is very genre-specific. Oh. Um, you know, it's like we all, you know, when I was younger, it was rock and roll or jazz. But I, I for various personal reasons, I had a, a specific kind of music that um, – because of the audience and and to honor my parents, we'll call it some of it is uh, uh, known as klezmer music, uh, which is uh, uh, European, uh, middle uh, European uh, folk music. uh, Often played, you know, I guess the easiest example would be, let's say, Jewish weddings. Um, You know, typical klezmer melody would be a Havana Gila, for example, that everyone's familiar with. I created a whole program uh, of, of these melodies so among our audiences includes, uh, members of, uh, of the community who are Holocaust survivors, mm. uh, as well as seniors, of that part of the outreach. Um, so even though, and we have folks in our group who play the Irish festival and, you know, it's it, so it's kind of a cultural arts program too, but I had to select something, uh, as a central theme and music that I did know it's kind of nichey, but we, um, uh, because of that, we played it, um, Ohio State, Capitol, Ohio Wesleyan, churches, synagogues. Uh, We recently played at Bexley Public Library, Upper Arlington Public Library. But I developed an interactive program. So we talked to the audience about where these songs, how these songs came about. And I have a great group of musicians um, who are, again, either teach or uh, some had college students. So it's, we just kind of go. And I ultimately put out an album after we played at Ohio State, they said, because it's somewhat unique uh, locally, why not you know, kind of make a hard copy of the music? So we've created right. a, di- a CD and a digital album, and the music, and I've heard from folk, from uh, listeners in Costa Rica, California, oh, wow. Maine, and around the world, because now the music can get out. And yeah. it's classically, um, and, and I'm not that good a pianist uh, by any means, uh, but the nice part is I can stay within my range, Um, as well as MC, the concerts, but, you know, it's a really good uh, group and, and, and that's, that's, it's evolved as a community outreach program. Uh, And also again, we played at the the James, for example.
0: Oh yeah.
1: uh, Before Christmas and Hanukkah, it's, you know, so we're looking for different, um, uh, uh, you know, different audiences that, but maybe they don't have access to some of this music. So we make it portable.
0: Fantastic! So, That's check great. out um, Friday Night Live, Ben Gilbert, and then check out NBC Four. I know you sub for different people, but probably if they want to see you, weekends are probably the
1: best, right? Weekends on the most. Yeah, I, I do um, midday and four o'clock shows on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Except this okay. week, my schedule got turned around. Plus, I have a couple of days off later this week. But but in turn, and obviously, I fill in for Dave Mazza so on evening. Sometimes I fill in in the mornings um sometimes too so i kind of slide but in terms of as you said a regular uh uh schedule saturday sunday 6 and 11 or saturday 6 7 and 11 and you'll see me other places but that's kind of uh uh part of the most uh routine uh things that i do
0: yeah we'll have to talk more about this later but friday mornings they have brutus yeah. A, a pup for purpose, They it's a dog trained to help other people. The dog will come into the studio right. and hang out. And uh, Ben was subbing for the Friday morning person. And Ben was hanging out with, with Brutus. It was fun to watch that. Yeah, <laughs> he
1: came that flying around the corner. I had seen him. And, and my previous Friday morning was uh, before Christmas. We had the, the, the near blizzard. Uh, yeah. so he, We didn't do that that day. So I hadn't seen him in a few months. And he came s- flying into the weather office and jumped on me. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's he's big and um and and the, the chairs are a little wobbly so i had to hold on for dear life and um and then we took some pictures and again if you go to you know my fa- my regular facebook page uh you know ben gelber you'll see them uh and and uh, as chris as you noted a uh, service dog in in training mm-hmm. uh through canine companions but uh yeah he just he jumped right in and Yeah, I I had a ball and so I see I'll fill in in the morning maybe once a month uh, Mm -hmm. and uh, and I'll be doing a couple of Saturday mornings here coming up this month too but yeah that's all part of the the fun but also again promoting uh, community service which which in addition to news and weather and and, uh, weather alerts and all that but there there are many aspects uh, that where we we can and should be doing uh, or get involved with the community in a positive way and by there and meeting folks of all walk, from all walks of life. It's a great service.
0: Mornings are a doozy. I was working mornings before <laughs> I left. And again, love my time at NBC4. Just got an unbelievable opportunity to lead a news organization. But man, that's 3 a.m., <laughs> Ben. <huh?
1: laughs> no, I, I just did that uh, last Thursday and Friday. You know, and I would pass oh, sometimes. Oof. And I was a zombie, but you got to figure it out and be up and at him at the, you know, at least when the camera goes on. And, oh, yeah. and in your case you know you can't miss a news story yeah it's it's tough and and people you know I, I folks may catch a newscast here or there but don't realize you know as you and i working that shift you're coming in at 2 33 in the morning and you're there till 12 or 1 in the afternoon yeah. with a little break time and then i'll flip that around and work two to midnight on the weekends and oh, yeah, uh, so there's a lot to cover and and um, i talk to students who are thinking about going into weather I think sometimes they see it as a more glamorous thing. They said, no, this is the reality. Uh, You know, the maps don't draw themselves. Uh, You work holidays and weekends. Uh, You have to really love what you do uh, and and realize it isn't, it's about serving the public. You know, make sure that that first and foremost, you want to be accurate and reliable. uh, But just remember, it's about the audience um, because that's the most important thing.
0: If I could ask one more thing. I've always been curious about this. Um, You know, Joe and I are big church people. We've been to church all our life. I know, you know, faith's important to you, too. It's funny, in the kind of the evangelical part of the church movement, it's changed for pastors. Like, when I was a kid, the pastor better wear a suit every Sunday, or, holy cow, you know, he's not right. And sometimes it's changed. Do you think that will ever change the news? Because I know, like, in news, the anchors wear suits, you know, the female anchors wear nice dresses and everything. Is there ever going to be a push to say, oh, they could dress down because the rest of the world dresses down? I always wonder about that.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, in a, you know, the closest thing um, might be in severe weather sometimes. Maybe you go on without a jacket because you're working okay. and you're moving a lot. Yeah, and that's that's as casual as it gets. You still have your time. I have seen um, – you know, and I'm thinking even on a national level, uh, I think there was a time where all reporters had ties. Uh, now yeah. you, might, you, you go on with a dress shirt and a nice jacket, uh, but you're out in the field. And yeah. sometimes it doesn't make sense to, to wear a suit if you're uh, covering a flood, for example. Uh, but that's about that's as far as it goes. Um, you know, I, I think, it, you know, again, we owe our audience, uh, you know, to, to be dressed uh, probably just like you would okay. on a baseball field without a baseball uniform as right. a professional that, 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 uh, or law enforcement, this is who we are. And, um, you know, uh, so again, there, there may be a little, you know, some things have changed in terms of dress code, but again, I'm coming from an era where people wore, when I started right. wore wide, loud ties, Yeah, <laughs> <and>, uh, <laughs> you now the bell bottoms, uh, uh, uh era. And, uh, so, you know, it, it goes with the, uh, th- uh, you know, tire can change with the times. Unfortunately, leisure suits uh, came and went before I got on the air. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's a, we are also a reflection of, of current fashion trends. Of course, of course,
0: oh yeah, definitely. Well, Ben, thank you so much for your time. I I, I feel more educated about weather than I've been in the past, and uh, it's been good. So, uh, Ben, it was nice working with you. And let's do this again before long. I really enjoyed um, talking to you. Um, <laughs> We appreciate your time. Hang on for a second afterwards. We're going to end this segment. Uh, But for Ben and Joe and Chris, um, thanks for checking our show. Please share with your friends. Have a great day, everybody.
1: Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley.